Hello, my friends. I'm Paul White. It's the Deeper Daily Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this 11th day of May. I want to encourage you to check out our pod, I'm sorry, our website. Look at our schedule page, paulwhiteministries.com slash schedule. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up this summer. If we're going to be in your area and we're coming to a few new places, um, we'd love to see you. It's a busy time here at Paul White Ministries. I want to say thank you to all of those of you who continue to support us. And I would like to invite those of you who have not supported financially to consider doing so. All I ever say is listen to the Spirit. If He prompts you to give and to help to make this possible, then we would ask you to do that. We try to make it as easy as possible for you to give uh, whatever way you would like to. And there's several options available at our website, paulwhiteministries.com. There's PayPal. You can buy credit card. Our mailing address at the bottom of the homepage. You can write us if you'd like. Uh, We take Cash App, all that good stuff. Okay, I try to say that every now and then, hopefully enough, uh, that uh, it prompts your spirit, if if so, to to be a part of what we're doing. Today, we're trying to close, I'm trying to close this 29th verse of Mark 9. I I probably made way too big of a deal of this, this statement and fasting because we actually dealt with the fasting issue back in Mark 2. But as is the nature of Bible study, you, you come across other ideas and things you want to share. So I, I read for you a third century North African Christian Tertullian yesterday and what his sort of early church response to fasting was. Um, check that out. I want to be fair and show you that the New Testament does deal with this slightly, not really. And it's not as if the, the disciples or the apostles tell the church that they should fast or that fasting is necessary. There's not a place where they tell them that fasting will improve their standing or give them favor or make them righteous or force heaven to move. The only thing that even comes close would be in Acts chapter 13. Barnabas and Saul have come back from Jerusalem and they brought John. And verse 1, now in the church that was at Antioch, There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now you'll notice that they fasted in verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord. And then they have fast after this fasting and prayer. They lay hands on them, on Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, and they send them out. Now, that's not universal because back in Acts chapter 6, when they chose seven people to be deacons, they were supposed to choose people who would give themselves to to the work of the church while the, the, the apostles, disciples could give themselves to prayer and to ministry, they put these people, uh, Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, all these guys from Acts chapter 6. And in, in Acts 6.6, 6, they set them before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And so the laying on of hands in the book of Acts was to impart a call And this call was then given by the disciples or the apostles over whomever they were calling. 
But this first instance, there's no fasting. Then in Acts 13, there is fasting. But we don't see it as if they've decided that they messed it up the first time. So they need to add fasting to their prayer this time. Um, I, I just personally wonder if because Saul, he isn't called, he's called, starts to be called Paul after this. Um, in fact, it happens in the 13th chapter. Saul, who's also called Paul, that's verse 9 or so. And then we don't get him called Saul anymore. Then he's just Paul. I wonder if Saul, who has had an early confrontation with the church, um, he tries to join the church in Acts 9 and they don't want him. They even send him to Tarsus and he stays for over a decade at the end of 9. And I kind of wonder if when he came back and they decide, okay, Maybe this guy's part of us. They put fasting in there to try and really determine if they're supposed to lay hands on. So I'm just giving a theory. They, we don't ever find out. Like, why do they fast in Acts 13 when they pray for Saul and Barnabas? They didn't fast in Acts 6 when they picked their disciples, it seemed like, or their, their deacons. It's not as if one's more important than the other. Um, and I don't think what we're supposed to determine is, well, when you pick deacons in the church, you don't fast. But when you pick people to send them out to ministry, you should fast. Um, that, all of that's conjecture. All I'm doing right there is conjecture, to be fair. Okay, so let's go to Paul himself. So he's the guy that they laid hands on and sent out. What does he say about it? Well, again, he never has a moment where he's like, look, if you're having difficulty getting through to God, or you need closer to heaven, or you want the blessing, or you need the anointing, you should fast. We don't see that. But we do have Paul referring to fasting, and I want to put it in context. I'm going to read this passage from 2 Corinthians 11, and let's begin in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? While I speak as a fool, I'm more. In labors, I'm more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Did you notice that when Paul talks about fastings, he puts it in the context of things done to him and things that are negative, weariness, toil, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, fastings, cold, nakedness. He never tells you to go be cold to receive the anointing or to go be naked to receive the favor of God any more than he tells you to go fast to receive those things. But fasting was part of the experience, just as Tertullian taught the third century church to fast in order to be prepared for the persecution. All I will say is, be led of the Spirit, but don't be led of the Spirit of Antichrist that's going to tell you that there's something you can do 
to be righteous or to be favored. That's what Christ has done. If you need to fast to remove your dependency on, on food or because you think you're, uh, it's getting in your way of your prayer life, well, I'm not going to argue with you, but let's not call it a prerequisite. So what then do we say to the to Jesus' statement to the disciples in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, this time comes out not but by prayer. We've we told you that the fasting is not there because some of the things that we do in our walk, we need prayer on them so that we are spiritually formed. Just as they prayed over the disciples in Acts 6, just as they prayed over Saul and Barnabas in Acts 13, There's some things that the disciples needed to spend time in prayer in order to do what needed to be done. And it's not because prayer will finally get God to work. And if you don't pray, he won't. But prayer is us being formed into the people we need to be. Prayer does it because it puts us in communication with our Father. And so whatever the disciples needed work on in them needed to be done in order to deal with this boy in Mark chapter 9. Okay, we get into the prediction of his death and resurrection on tomorrow's podcast. We'll see you then. God bless.